Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. I can tell you two people that are not sending Valentines to each other are Hillary Clinton and Donald uh, Trump. Uh, they are in triple overtime at this point. They are still accusing each other of trying to influence the 2016 election by improperly using Russia, or blaming Russia. Um, we'll talk in a few minutes about the uh, new uh, memorandum and indictments issued by uh, John Durham, uh, the special counsel, looking into the 2016 election and the influence of Russia on the 2016 election. But before we get to Hillary versus Donald, I want to get to Rams versus Bengals. Congratulations to the NFL. What a spectacular postseason. I've been following football since I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old playing it in the backyard, uh, following in those days the New York Giants, and then, of course, the New York Jets, and then New England Patriots, Brady, what else? Um, and I have never seen a postseason quite like this. Every game was spectacular. Every game was spectacular. There wasn't a game that was decided until the last uh, minute or minute and a half, sometimes the last uh, second. Uh, but I have one gripe against the NFL, and might as well get it out. We're still celebrating the Super Bowl, and I can't ever celebrate anything without being critical of something. So, here's what I'm critical of. I hate officials calling penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct, especially for improperly celebrating a touchdown or an interception or anything like that. I don't think in any sport, in any sport, and I've written about this in tennis, I don't think any sport outcome should ever be determined by sportsmanship or lack thereof, or what the player said to the umpire, or what happened off the field. Games should be decided by what happens on the field, by players playing against each other. Fortunately, none of these postseason games were decided by unsportsmanlike conduct behavior, but in yesterday's game, there was such a call. Uh, Maybe under the rules it was justified. An inactive player joined in the celebration. Shouldn't have done that. That's against the rules. All right. How are you going to deal with unsportsmanlike behavior? Fine him. Fine him. Take money out of his pocket. Big fines. 10% of your salary. Big fines. That's enough. That'll deter him. But don't ever, ever let the outcome of a game be determined by players' attitudes, by them exercising their First Amendment rights. Look, Eminem exercised his First Amendment rights, properly or improperly, I leave that to you, by taking a knee. What's he supposed to take a knee? He was supposed to sing rap music. He did. He was great. You know, but that's not what games should be determined by, First Amendment rights. The First Amendment has no role in sports. Uh, on the other hand, mouthing off to an umpire you know, giving the finger to the opposing side, celebrating, cheering, taking your helmet off. That's not what a game should be based on. So two and three-quarter cheers for the NFL. You got it right this time. You're terrific. I loved watching the games. Um, I was myself rooting for the Bengals, but I thought the Rams would actually win by a lot, and it was a close, close game, really decided by one play. I think the coach made a mistake. I think he should have run on fourth down. 
instead of passing on fourth down, I think he should have passed and not run on third down. Look, I coach from my chair, uh, but uh, we all do. And that's what's so great about football. Football is a game, you know, of the mind. Um, it's a game of brawn. Of course, you've got to be tough. And these guys are amazing. These guys, some of those catches, you, they can't happen in real life, but they catch them. So, but it's a game of brains. I mean, the game is determined as much from the sidelines, coaches, um, and, and, and others, as it is on, on the field, whether you go for two, or you go for one, whether you go for it on fourth, these are all hard calls. I'm actually writing a book about prediction in which I use um, the two for one or going on fourth ground as an example of different kinds of predictions, statistical prediction, analytical prediction, clinical prediction, all that stuff. So I'm really fascinated by coaches' decisions, but what a great, great season uh, to have the Bengals who won two games, I think, last year, maybe four, I don't know, a handful of games over the last three years, come so close to being the Super Bowl champions was, was a thrill and it was fantastic. So congratulations uh, to the NFL. So now, from Rams versus Bengals to Donald versus uh, Hillary. So we have a new development, and it's an interesting new development. Uh, as you know, um, President Trump's Attorney General Barr appointed uh, John Durham, a highly, highly respected professional uh, prosecutor from uh, Connecticut, to look into the allegations involving Russia. You'll remember that uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign and some of the people in the former Obama administration and many others uh, have said that there was this Russian dossier and, and Trump must have been involved and, and, and the Russians, Putin had something on Russia and something on um, uh, Trump and uh, maybe he caught him in a hotel room, you know. Um, none of that turned out to be the case. The Mueller report, which I wrote an introduction to uh, and followed very closely, after a long, extensive investigation, proved that the Trump campaign really didn't have any involvement directly uh, with Russia. That doesn't mean that Russia didn't want Trump to uh, win. We'll get to that in a minute. I have, a, I have an angle on that, uh, uh, but, but we'll get to that in a minute. But, but now the shoe seems to be on the other foot. Um, now, at least according to the documents released on Friday and a few documents released, uh, before that, uh, by, by, by Durham, it sounds like there were people close to Hillary Clinton. We don't know how close, but close to Hillary Clinton, law firms, investigators, and others who may themselves have engaged in conduct that would not be uh, proper, um, overhearing, in, infiltrating uh, Trump Towers, maybe even the White House after he was uh, elected and made president, it's an open investigation. And you can't gather too much necessarily from a memo and an indictment. But we know that some Democrats have been indicted. Uh, Michael Sussman, a very good lawyer from everything I've heard about him, has been indicted for failing, well, for he's, I guess, indicted for not telling the truth but basically for failing to disclose that he was working for somebody who was working for, who was working for 
the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign. Talk about that in a minute, too, whether you should criminalize conduct like that. But his indictment and several other indictments, again, growing not out of substance, but about testifying truthfully. That's the way the criminal justice system works today a lot. You don't get indicted for what you did. You get indicted for what you said or what you didn't say or either failing to disclose or not speaking truthfully to an FBI agent or the worst is obviously lying under oath uh, and committing uh, perjury. But these uh, indictments and the information disclosed on Friday last week about a possible conflict of interest creates probable cause, at least, to look into some people in the Hillary Clinton campaign to see whether or not they engaged in any improper conduct. Now, now don't expect reason to prevail. You're going to always get overstatements. Um, the Trump administration, Donald Trump, has already said this was treason and it deserved the death penalty in a better time, in a better time, in a time when we were killing people. It'd be, yeah, this would be treason. It wouldn't be treason. Of course not. Treason is waging war against the United States and, and um, basically giving aid and comfort to an enemy during wartime. You don't, you don't have treason prosecutions uh, based on political uh, campaigns. But there were exaggerations on the other side as well. I think both sides have tried to weaponize the criminal justice system to their advantage, using prosecutors, using the criminal law, to try to gain political advantage. And that's, that's a real, real uh, problem. There were crimes committed. Uh, there's no doubt, to me, one of the most serious crimes was uh, submitting um, to the courts, particularly the wiretap court, the intelligence, national intelligence court, um, information about the Steele dossier and, and other things related to that without disclosing that at the time they signed off on it, they were aware that it probably didn't have the kind of credibility. They were suggesting to the FISA court that it did. And that's a very serious violation of the Fourth Amendment in addition to violating statutes. The Fourth Amendment requires probable cause. Now, Congress set up a special court FISA in which the usual rules don't apply. I've often thought that the FISA court is unconstitutional, um, particularly since it doesn't allow both sides to be presented. Uh, my proposal for the FISA court has always been for the court to appoint five, could be three, could be six, people, defense attorneys, who have national security clearance, who can see anything, who can see anything the government can see and anything the court can see. They're sworn to secrecy. Obviously, if they disclose anything, they're criminals. But let there be defense attorneys present. So when the government says, ah, this document, wow, it justifies spying on Americans, it justifies intruding on people's rights, it justifies going into their computers, getting their cell phone records, getting their uh, other information, at least you have a devil's advocate on the other side saying, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, the Steele dossier doesn't look like it's all that credible. Let's look and see what the sources are, what the basis is. Here are both sides of the issue. Then you can decide whether to grant a warrant. That's the much, much better way to, to go. And um, 
So I don't like the FISA court. I don't like the way it's organized. But if you have a FISA court, government officials, because it's ex party, because the other side doesn't have a chance to explain, because it's one-sided, the government seeking a warrant from the FISA court has a special obligation to be credible, to be complete, to present all sides of the issue. And the government failed here. The government failed here. They took advantage of the fact that there was no other side in order to be able to persuade the FISA court to do something they shouldn't have been done, shouldn't have done. And I think the people who did that do deserve to be investigated uh, criminally because that, that violates all of our rights. If the FISA court gets false information and then allows surveillance on American citizens uh, and on others, you know, remember that the Fourth Amendment doesn't only apply to American citizens. It applies to American citizens, permanent residents, and generally it applies to anybody who's in the United States. So it applies to a United States citizen abroad. It doesn't apply to a foreigner abroad. But if a foreigner is here, generally the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the First Amendment would apply to anybody in the United States uh, who is participating in the court of public opinion and is invoking rights that everybody should have when they're in the United States of America. And the FISA court's a compromise with that. And it's a compromise I don't like. I've never liked it. I didn't like it from the day it was enacted. I don't like it when it's used against Republicans. I don't like it when it's used against Democrats. And I don't like it when it's used against uh, people who are non-partisan. Uh, we now know that, uh, at least there are reports of this, nobody knows how true it is, that um, Israel has developed this incredible technology called Pegasus. Uh, like all technologies, it can be used for good and bad. Uh, you know, when the wheel was invented, who knew it would cause so many automobile accidents? Um, you know, when uh, Edison's light was invented, who knows it would also cause fires? Uh, so any technology can be used for, for good or bad, and uh, Pegasus has been sold to some countries who have misused it and to other countries that have used it effectively to prevent terrorism. And um, it has the incredible ability to get into your phones and to provide uh, all kinds of information to government officials. And it can be used against dissidents. It can be used against good people and decent people who are acting under the Constitution. And uh, that's why the FISA court has so much power, because there's so much technology out there. and. The technology can be used for good or bad. Thank God the technology has been used to prevent acts of terrorism. You know, we would have had other 9-11s if not for a great, great technology. We would have had uh, other cases where uh, mass shootings have occurred if not for technology. So again, two, two and a half cheers for technology, but it's that other half that the Fourth Amendment is designed to protect. Again, I don't like extremism on either side. I don't like people who call themselves civil libertarians, often they're not. They're just hard left people who, civil liberties for me but not for thee, who are absolutists. They know the, the, the FISA court shouldn't have any authority, the CIA shouldn't have any authority to intrude into people's emails. Of course they should. If you could have prevented 9-11 by uh, hacking somebody's computer, uh, yeah, if there was probable cause, by all means, do it. But the fact that technology is so powerful today, you have to have constraints, you have to have limits on what you're going to do. And what happened with the FISA court 
back in 2016, um, violated the rules and made it harder for the court to impose uh, limits. So we have to change all of that. We have to give prosecutorial and investigative authorities, particularly the FBI and the CIA, powers necessary to prevent terrorism without giving them the power to intrude unnecessarily into the lives of um, people. Um, you know, there are some great stories about that. There's a story in, in Boston. Nobody knows if it's true or false, but it has the ring of truth. It's a great story. It's, it's, worth, it's worth telling. So a mafia lieutenant uh, was caught in a shootout with the police, and he ended up with a bullet in his rear end or you know, on his buttocks. And he was rushed to the hospital, and the FBI got there uh, when he got there, according to this report. And when the hospital took out the bullet, as they did, the FBI inserted a um, tracking device into his rear end, and he led them to the hideout of the mafia, and great things happened as the result. Um, true, false, exaggerated, who knows? But it's a great, it's a great story. And of course, as a lawyer, my first question is, did they get a warrant? Did they go to a judge and say, well, there's this guy's rear end. It has a bullet in it. The bullet's coming out. There's a hole. There's room for us to put in a tracker. Should we, you know, I don't know if they went and they got the warrant. I'd love to see the conversation between the FBI and the judges about getting a warrant on a guy's rear end. But again, great story. The technology knows no limits and it will continue to grow and there will never be limits. And that's why we always have to constrain and control what technology can do. You can't roll the clock back. You can't uninvent Pegasus. And don't blame the people who invented it. Hey, these kinds of things are great. You want to hear something interesting? I am sitting here today, as I'm sitting here today talking to you, going through my body, halfway through my intestine, is a camera this big, invented by Israel, the same guys who invented Pegasus. They invented a camera in a pill that can take 50,000 pictures of my insides. That's why I'm smiling. I'm on candid camera. I'm being photographed as we speak today by this tiny little camera invented by the Israelis. When I went in this morning to swallow the pill, what did I see? It said on, on the little box that the pill came in, uh, property of the Israeli military. Obviously, the Israeli military had sold it to uh, the hospital. So technology is great when it's used positively, when nanotechnology, here, you got a pill this big, and it, it can take 50,000 uh, pictures in eight hours and, and do a phenomenal job. You know, I hope it comes up with nothing. That'd be great. I hope it's all false. But, you know, if it comes up with something, we'll deal with it. That's what technology can do. That's what technology is all about. And so, again, we're going to have we're going to keep expanding technology. It's going to get better and better and better and better and more dangerous, more dangerous, more dangerous, and more dangerous. That's what the courts are there for. There are no such courts in Russia. There are no such courts in Iran. There are no such courts in China. There are no such courts in most countries of the world. But the United States has Article Three courts. They are empowered to have equal power. With the legislature and the executive, we have a tripartite system of governance, which means that 
everything the executive and the legislatures do is subject to review by the judiciary. But the judiciary can't review it if they're withheld evidence and if they're misled as they were with the Pfizer report. So let me tell you who I think is right on this issue. Hillary says Donald uh, was uh, cavorting with the Russians and the Russians wanted Donald to win the election because they had him under control and they had something on him. And, 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 and Trump says, no, 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 the Russians wanted Clinton to win. That's why they cooperated and that's why they got information about me. And let me tell you who's right. They're both right and they're both wrong. In my view, Russia cared much more, much more about destabilizing the United States than about who was going to win the election. They've always cared about destabilizing the United States. They want conflict. They love 2016. They love 2020. If Americans are fighting, if 40% of the public doesn't believe the election was fair, um, they win. That's what Russia wants. Sure, they may have preferred one candidate over the other. I think it's rare where they really prefer one candidate over the other. Did they have any control over either candidate? Of course not. Of course not. They didn't have anything on Donald Trump. They didn't have anything on Hillary Clinton. Probably different people within the Soviet hierarchy preferred one or the other. What they all preferred was a weak United States. They want a weakened country. They want weakened democracies. They want a weakened West. They want to destabilize. They want to discombobulate. They want Americans fighting with each other. They are sitting there and laughing now and laughing at what's going on here. Donald is accusing Hillary. Hillary's accusing Donald. Everybody's accusing everybody else. Uh, universities are in disarray. Um, elections are in disarray. Everything's in disarray. And Putin is sitting there saying, if you didn't have a democracy, if you just had a ruler like me, nothing goes wrong. Nothing goes wrong. Uh, Putin gets anything he wants. Look, um, my friend Bob Kraft learned that personally when the, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Nostalgia, nostalgia, Brady. Brady is a Patriot. When the Patriots won the Super Bowl, uh, Bob, who I've known for years and years and years and years, uh, went to uh, Russia and he met Putin and he was wearing his ring, his Super Bowl ring. And Putin said, oh, I would like to see that ring. And of course, Bob Kraft, being the nice guy that he is, took his ring off. Putin put it on his finger and Bob never saw it again. Putin wanted the ring. Putin got the ring. Putin won the Super Bowl. He can now show off to everybody, I have Super Bowl ring. I have Super Bowl ring. I am... Super Bowl champion. That's Putin. He, he wants things and he reaches out and he gets them. He wants the Ukraine now. He got the Crimea already. He should be satisfied. The Crimea is the warm water port, the most important part of Ukraine. But no, uh, does he really want Ukraine? Ukraine is not an easy country to govern. Uh, it's a big country, uh, not a tremendous amount of resources. It has a lot of agricultural resources. It was the heartland of the Soviet Union in terms of, of agriculture, but I don't think it's so important to Putin uh, economically. I, I think Putin's, Putin's acts like the dog in the story, you know, uh, 
somebody asked somebody else, why do dogs lick their testicles? And the answer is, because they can. And why does Putin surround Ukraine? Because he can, because the United States hasn't done anything and won't do anything, just as the result of surrounding. Will he invade? Will he take some moves? Will he push the United States to give guarantees about NATO? I don't know, but there's no real rational, economic, geopolitical reason at this point for Russia to want more. Look, I remember meeting with, with Gorbachev in 1990 uh, as the Soviet Union was collapsing. I went over to the Soviet Union to participate in a, a conference on law and economics or whatever at the Kremlin. And um, I was at a dinner with him and we talked, I photographs with him. We, uh, I asked him to come to the synagogue. It was just before Rosh Hashanah. He, he said, I'm in enough trouble already without that. He didn't go. But uh, I've met him on a few other occasions. Um, but he was okay with ultimately giving up much of Eastern Europe. Uh, Belarus is still an old lying communist country, but the rest of the countries are not. But Putin is not. Putin was in the KGB at the time, and then now he is, as we know, uh, the ruler of the country, and a ruler with a large R. And he's not satisfied. He's not happy with, um, with, with Russia just being Russia with an ally in, um, in Belarus, he wants more. And he may get more. Um, but the point, getting back to the major point of this show, is that I think it misunderstands. It's part of the problem of partisanship. When you divide the world into two opinions, the Republicans say that Russia wanted the Democrats to win and they helped them. The Democrats say Russia wanted the Republicans to win and Putin helped them. And people don't consider a middle position, that Putin didn't care who won as much as whoever lost would be able to complain that the election wasn't fair and that um, uh, the thumb of Russia was on the scale. Again, destabilization, that's the key. You can't understand Russia unless you understand power, destabilization, uh, and, uh, and, and, and brilliant, often brilliant, brilliant strategies. They're very smart. Never, ever underestimate your enemy. I keep telling that to the Israelis all the time when it comes to Iran. Iran is the smartest enemy Israel ever faced. Individual leaders, maybe fools for their religion uh, or fools for their ideology, uh, but they're smart as could be, and don't ever underestimate them. I always approach every lawsuit, every case that way. Don't underestimate your opponent. Don't underestimate the judge. Don't, you know, I have a funny story about that, a lot of funny stories. I was uh, representing F. Lee Bailey, who recently died. I was his lawyer down somewhere in northern Florida, uh, you know, Florida-Georgia border, and uh, we walk into court. I, I was his lawyer. I was presenting the argument as to why he couldn't be prosecuted. We won. He wasn't prosecuted. Um, but uh, 
we walk into chambers for a conference, and I see the judge is wearing a kind of fluorescent suit with, with blue shoes. Um, it looked like something out of a cartoon book. And then I saw the prosecutor. He was wearing the same suit. And I remember Lee saying to me, oh, come on, these guys are giving me pushovers. Look at the way they dress. Lee, the prosecutor dresses that way because the judge dresses that way. The judge dresses that way because this is a part of Florida where dressing that way is acceptable. Do not underestimate them. And we didn't underestimate them. And we, uh, we, we, we won the case. I've had a lot of success, believe it or not, in the South. I was just watching a movie the other night, really an interesting movie. Uh, I think it's called Through the Eyes of, um, what's um, uh, uh, Baker's name, his wife's name? Tammy Lee. Tammy, Tammy Faye Baker. And um, it's, it's, it's all about uh, the South and Southern judges. And uh, uh, after, after um, he was convicted, sentenced to, I think, 35 years, uh, Tammy Faye retained me to come and argue uh, that the sentence was illegal. And I, I did, and I went down South, and I argued in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and we won the case. And uh, um, the Southern judges liked me. I was, I was a little little surprised, but, uh, you know, you never know where you can get justice and where you're going to get injustice. So my message for today is uh, several things. Number one, going back to football for a second, the game should never be determined by referees, by officials, by calls, and it certainly should never be determined by calls that don't affect the play, celebration, unsportsmanlike conduct. So that's my message to the NFL. My message to the justice system in the United States is stop weaponizing the criminal justice system. Fight your battles in the political arena. When I was growing up in Brooklyn and we had fights, we had fights. Went to the Lowy's 46th Street Theater and after the theater was over, we would go outside and there were groups of guys and we would fight with each other. The one rule is Never call the cops. Fight your own fights. Battle your own battles. Of course, if somebody was seriously hurt, but nobody ever was. Uh, and I think the same thing, writ large, should be true in politics. Fight in the arena of politics. Call people names. Accuse them of this. Accuse them of that. But don't start bringing criminal charges against everybody. No, it does not deserve the death penalty. Donald Trump, I was your lawyer. I'm telling you, it doesn't deserve the death penalty. It isn't treason. Fight them. Argue with them. Show the public they're wrong. Win in the marketplace of ideas, but don't call the cops. Don't call the judges. Don't call the prosecutors. Let's leave politics out of criminal law, and let's leave the criminal law out of politics. So I want to get more of your input, your input on football, your input on politics, your input on criminal law. You know how to do it. You just just go down to the bottom and there's a space that you can add your comments and just add your comments and I'll read them when uh, once a week or so when it's appropriate and that way we'll have our dialogue. So please come back. Today is Monday, Valentine's Day. The show is live Tuesday and Wednesday. It can be seen anytime, 24-7, uh, recorded. 
But if you want to watch it live, it's 5.30 uh, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. Until then, happy Valentine's Day.